shark, swallow you whole. I value my neck a lot more than 3,000 bucks, Chief. Find him for three, but I'll catch him and kill him for ten. Ten thousand dollars for me by myself. For that you get the head, the tail, the whole damn thing. You yell shark. We've got a panel on our hands on the fourth of July. Mr. Vaughn, Mr. Vaughn, I pulled a tooth the size of a shot glass out of the wreck hull of the boat out there, and it was the tooth of a great white. A what? You're gonna need a bigger boat. Love to prove that, wouldn't you? Get your name into the National Geographic. Now, I'm not saying that this is not the shark. It probably is, Martin. It probably is. It's a man-eater. It's extremely rare for these waters. But the fact is that the bite radius on this animal is different than the wounds on the victim. Jaws Obsession Episode 3 we have going on here today is a continuation of our weekly broadcast called the Jaws Obsession. We are in our countdown to Episode 20, 17 more episodes until the big reveal, the big reveal about what we have going on that is quite important to the Jaws world. And we are glad to have you on board and uh, we need everybody together on this. What I've learned here is that the Jaws Obsession is becoming uh, something for myself where I'm learning more about the movie that I've seen hundreds of times. I'm learning more about it with every show, with every research that I do for every episode. And um, that's what I hope is that with every episode, even if you are a very experienced uh, Jaws fan or if you're just uh, curious about Jaws, that you might pick up one small little thing that makes the movie more enjoyable the next time you watch it. So the countdown to episode 20 continues here, uh, episode 3. We would also like everyone to go over to thedailyjaws.com, thedailyjaws.com, where you can start your day and learn about everything that's going on in the Jaws world. Thedailyjaws.com is pretty much the epicenter for the Jaws world. And here at the Jaws Obsession, we are going to um, need everybody to come together and pay attention to what's going on over there and we can pull everybody together because what we're going to try to do is something that's never been done with fans around one movie. I'm not going to give it away. No. So I'm going to stop talking about it. We're going to move on ahead. Received some great comments already regarding the music to the Jaws Obsession, the theme song, the, uh, the music that we have leading into the show and uh, outgoing. The opening theme is done by a, a very talented artist, uh, musician, 
His name is Carl Casey. Everybody needs to go over to carlcasey.bandcamp.com to see, um, to listen to his work. Very talented. He is a modern day John Carpenter, works with a variety of different musical styles, uh, basically synthesizers, guitars, just extremely talented. And I was working with him for a few months before we kicked off this broadcast uh, because I wanted to have uh, some really good music that would get people uh, pumped up, get people going. We put together this little intro, and we have a lot more in store. Carl has been working um, very, very hard, and I've just been steering him on a course this direction and that direction, and then he comes back with just amazing, amazing work. Um, There's some Jaws music that we have coming up that is just, um, it brings a tear to your eye. It's just so beautiful. And what we have that in our own, very own Carl Casey and his music here. Uh, we have a very special uh, release. We're going to be doing some big things coming up, but that's going to be episode 20. Uh, you're going to feel more, hear more about that, but uh, you're going to hear stuff that you've never heard before in the Jaws world, courtesy of Carl Casey. I encourage everyone to go to his uh, White Bat Audio. He's on YouTube, YouTube at White Bat Audio, uh, White Bat, B-A-T Audio where you can go listen to his music. You can even contact him if you uh, need some music written. Uh, he will work with you. He's an excellent, excellent, excellent musician. We're very, very happy to have him uh, working with us on this broadcast. Uh, when we leave the show, um, what I play is, it's a little tune called Jammin' on the Orca. It's a Jaws remix that was released back in 2015 by a YouTube artist by a, who goes by the name Dapper Dog, D-A-P-P-E-R Dog. Uh, you can find that on uh, YouTube. We'll put a link to the video that he did. That was just, uh, it's, a, it's a little catchy uh, remix of the Show Me the Way to Go Home scene from Jaws. And uh, that's courtesy of Dapper Dog. So um, that's what we use to leave. That's our outgoing music there. So we'll have links for, the, for Carl's music and his sites and um, for the Jamming on the Orca remix on our show notes. I encourage everyone to go over to JawsOB.com, Jaws, the letter OB.com. Go to our contacts page. You can find our Telegram channel at JawsOB over at Telegram, or you can go to our Discord server um, where we go, our Discord server at JawsOB, hashtag 1973 on our contacts page you can get a invite there and uh, just click on that and you can jump right into the server and that's where we keep our show notes for each episode Um, it's organized uh, through each episode and you go to that episode and you can find all the links that we talk about here and you can find out more information you can watch these videos and you can find uh, more information let's uh let's jump right into it today we are going to um talk about this little scene from jaws so let's let's play this right now here chasing us, I don't believe it. Gonna draw him into the shadows. Draw him in the shallow water. Gonna draw him in and drown him. We're heading in, Brody. Thank Christ. Okay, so that scene is towards the end of the movie. All things are kind of going wrong for the three, our three heroes there. Um, And they have uh, three barrels in the shark. And uh, they just can't seem to, the shark just does not seem to weaken. So what was Quint's plan here to draw him into the shallows and drown him? What do you think Quint's plan was 
here? How would the shark have actually drowned in shallow water? Um, I've always kind of had my own ideas, but I wanted to kind of dig deep into this and uh, see if we could come up with a concrete answer. Do you think Quint has seen this before? And it was why he had this as a last resort, last ditch, ditch effort. What we, a very interesting part of Jaws is we've never seen Quint's barrel technique used and actually work like it's worked a thousand times before. You, you kind of get thrust into, here's this expert fisherman and he's got this barrel technique for hunting big sharks, but it's this the biggest shark any of them has ever seen and obviously it's not working out like it should. So his last resort is to lay on the throttle and start running inland into the shallows, which he says, you know, I'm going to draw him into the shallows and drown him. So we have to, let's see what, what exactly was, what exactly was going on here. So we know that this, this line is not in the script. If you look at Carl Gottlieb's uh, shooting script that was taken that when Carl Gottlieb rewrote um, Peter Benchley's uh, first draft, it went through a number of writers, but the, um, the, the final version that we have, we have seen two, two, three Brody and his point of view, um, uh, the barrels have surfaced and we see the monster shadow sliding under the orca, seemingly endless, violent scraping sounds. Um, Brody, he's trying to sink us. Uh, Quint is grimly silent. Brody senses that Quint is in the fight of and for his life. The orca taking evasive action, but the three barrels are closing the gap. The engines coughing and missing, destroying themselves with every rotation of the damaged shaft. Uh, Brody yells, he's chasing us. I don't believe it. Quint yells to Hooper, full throttle, full throttle to port, scene 224, angle on the bridge. Hooper is jamming the throttle forward, but the engine is pounding and knocking wildly. The barrels circle and move in. Quint has his rifle ready. Um, there's some action with the shark, and then uh, the boat surges. The shark gives a final unbalanced wrench and disengages. The dorsal fin circles off, beginning a wide loop around the boat. The engine quivers and dies, the boat without power, rolling half a wash, a wounded victim, the fin dips, the barrels follow. The shark disappears beneath the waves, there is complete silence. So that scene right there is there's never this moment of Quint jumping up there and saying, I'm going to draw him into the shallows, I'm going to draw him in, drown him. And um, of course, Quint gets on the throttle really hard. And as we see uh, what's happening is the boat is breaking down. There's a bent shaft going on. There's a lot of strain on the orca. What exactly was Quint trying to do here? A lot of people might think that Quint was losing his mind, even though there are things that's going on in Quint's mind at the time. We're going to get into more of that later on. But let's start by investigating this. We have to go to shark anatomy, shark anatomy. So um, we all know that sharks need to, uh, they need to keep moving or... The big sharks, at least, need to keep moving or they're going to drown, right? And takes so we had to take a look at how sharks and other fish breathe. So we go to animalshowstuffworks.com. Uh, uh, sharks must remove oxygen from the water around them. The water enters the shark's mouth, flows over the gills. Inside the gills are hundreds of feathery gill filaments. Each filament, in turn, has thousands of leaf-like lamellae or flaps, which contain blood vessels. The blood absorbs the oxygen from the incoming water, the excess water, flows back out the shark's body through the gill slits. Sharks have five to seven pairs of gill slits depending on the species. So the great white has five. With this uh, method, sharks can extract about 80% of the oxygen out of the meager 1% of oxygen that's present in water. 
Okay, so to maintain a steady flow, though, the shark constantly needs to be taking in water. So that's, we all know that, right? If we've watched Shark Week all our lives and stuff, and, or, or, you know, and we know about that sharks need to keep moving. What I remember is about 10 years ago, uh, about 10 years ago, there was a series uh, called um, Shark Men. Actually, it turned into Shark Wrangler, which was an American reality television series on History Channel. But uh, and that debuted in July 1st, 2012, 2012. A uh, similar series, which was, it was renamed from uh, Expedition Great White in 2010 and then Shark Men in 2011, and that, in 2011, and that was on National Geographic Channel. So if you aren't familiar with this, we're going to have some videos up on our show notes, but what these, uh, what this uh, research vessel, O-Search, Chris Fisher and his crew, which uh, basically what they would do is they would study great white sharks and they would put tracking uh, trackers on them and uh, take blood samples and all that. And how they did this, um, Fisher and his crew risked life and limb to tag and track the great whites, revealing where they feed, breed, and prowl. The crew has just 40 days to catch and tag 50 great whites, and they'll do so by doing what no other crew dares. They leap from our world into theirs, coming face-to-face each day with a predator that has terrorized the oceans for millions of years. What they did on this show is they used a technique which was just what, what Quint was using, but in a more humane way. So they would hook the shark, and the shark would be attached to flotation devices. And they would have they would add flotation devices to the line that's on the shark. The shark would get so tired that they would literally bare hand the shark, where they would actually be able to rope hand over hand pull the line in that's attached to the shark, and they would keep putting barrels on it closer to the head of the shark to tire it out. And after a while a great white will tire to where you can just lead him around with a boat, which is what these guys do. They lead the great white over to a hydraulic lift platform that's underwater on their vessel, the O-Search vessel, and they lift the great white right out of the water. The hydraulic platform comes up, and here's this great white just completely out of the water. The guys all jump over. They get the tube in the mouth so the water goes over the gill slits to keep the great great white alive. They get a towel over the eyes. And then they start taking all their samples. It's quite a sight to see. But what what this show proved is that the great white will not just tire from being attached to multiple barrels of air, but ultimately, uh, after waiting long enough, they lose their ability to fight. And the advantage goes to the person holding the line. So much so that you can wrangle them in with just your hands. So this shows this show that was in 2010, 2011, 2012. And they're still out there researching. They've done more sharks. If you can go to, let's see here, you can go to osearch.org, O-C-E-A-R-C-H.org, and you can see all the trackers on all the great whites and other sharks that they have in live time, giving live feedback. It's pretty amazing, pretty amazing stuff these guys do to preservation of the great white. And it's, um, I'm, I'm always a supporter of these of, of of what this crew does. So, if you uh, you can go over there and see that, we're going to have some videos, especially one video on our show notes. It's how to catch a great white shark. First mate DJ explains the gear we use. So he actually goes through this gear with these flotation devices and and explains the technique. But this is kind of like what Quint was trying to do, and that what his technique was, why he was so angry why he was so angry that he didn't get a shot in the head when Cooper, when Hooper was delaying the tying of the securing of the line to the first barrel 
is you want to get a shot in the head of the of the shark because it makes them more tired. By hooking, by getting the shot in the back by the dorsal fin, there's not enough drag. So there is drag on the fish, but I guess you want to get it closer to the head because now it's harder for them if their head keeps getting pulled up to the surface. So you, you, when this, when the first mate of Osearch in this video explains what's going on, you actually can actually see in real time, in real life, what Quint was trying to do here. Okay. Now, what is, that's, that's the technique for the barrels, but what exactly did he mean by draw him into the shallows and drown him? Okay. That we, uh, I went into a little bit of research from, and I got, I have an article here at swimswam.com from December 22nd, 2016. We have an article by Councilman Hunsacker. Um, what we have is, uh, he writes, this is a swimming, uh, it's like a, a website for uh, swimmers, Olympic swimmers, professional swimmers, you know that. And what, what he writes is about, we all hear the phrase over and over again, this is a fast pool, quote unquote. This is a fast pool. But what does that phrase actually mean? With so many seriously fast meets happening this summer, here are four elements uh, that help define a fast pool. But here's the number one. Number one pertains to this scene from Jaws. Water depth. Water depth might be the biggest factor in making a pool fast. There are two critical considerations when managing water depth of a pool, scientific, scientifically producing a fast pool and psychologically producing a fast pool. We're going to deal with the scientific part. Okay, Scientifically speaking, the deeper the water depth, the faster the pool. In a shallow pool, waves will bounce or reflect off the bottom of the pool, which cause the entire pool to become more turbulent or wavy. Waves do not make for a fast pool. Calm water does. The additional water in a deeper pool acts as a quelling force to lessen the impact of the wave or make it smaller. So uh, in my experience, uh, the heaviest, the biggest seas that I have ever been in, the heaviest storm, the, big, the, the heaviest seas that I have ever been in was when uh, we were crossing the Bering Sea. Now the Bering Sea, it was explained to be by the scientists that were on board our ship that the Bering Sea is a shallow, it's one of the shallower seas in the world. So by being more shallow, those waves kick up off the bottom and become massive on the surface. So what we've proved, what, what we have here is scientific evidence that swimmers follow, that a deeper pool is a faster pool because there is no, uh, the waves do not, make, okay, because the additional water in a deeper pool acts as a quelling force to lessen the impact of the wave. So why draw the shark into the shallows? Because then you have more turbulence, you have stronger currents, more turbulent waves, and that makes more drag on the barrels and it makes it harder for the shark to pull and tires him out. What Quint was doing, why he got on the throttle so fast, in my opinion and in my research, uh, is that he was trying to make the shark swim as fast as possible to tire it out. He was realizing that the shark was not as tired as he thought it was going to be. But then after he got that third barrel right in underneath the mouth of the shark in the head area, he knew that there was going to be some serious drag. Um, and that's what was happening is that when you get into the shallows, there's going to be more drag, more turbulence on those barrels and the shark is just going to have to expend a lot of energy, and eventually it would break down like the crew of O-Search has shown, 
and that if you will go to our uh, if I, if you go to our Telegram or Discord server, you can see these videos, and you can see just how you can handle a great white, how completely helpless they are after they've been tired out by flotation devices connected to their head. So, final thoughts. By leading the shark into the shallower waters of shallower waters of amity, the hydro turbulence, the hydro turbulence, water activity, and drag of the water would be increased not just on the barrels but on the shark itself, taking much more energy to push forward or even try to turn around and swim back to the deeper water. This was why Quint leaned in on the throttle hard to make the speed to shallow water faster. So have the shark expend as much energy in swimming to keep up. And then it would be physically impossible for the shark to swim back to calmer and less turbulent waters once caught in the shallow trap. Okay, so Quint's frustration in latching out at Hooper was not just in his rage of survival instinct that had kicked in, but also the lack of time to explain to Hooper on what he was ultimately trying to do. It would have, I think it would have worked, but as fate would have it, the shark's damage to the propeller shaft and bending it and the initial attack would prove too much for the orca, and the rest is history. So the million-dollar question now is, do you think Quint has done this before? Was the endgame always this plan on previous hunting expeditions? Just wait out the shark and watch them tire and drown from the weight of the barrels on the surface. So do you think that's how he would always have done that, is that if the shark was too big and was too aggressive, just get into the shallower water, then let the barrels do the work. Just sit back and wait. And I think that's the whole thing. If we had a chance to see Quint hunt sharks before, it would have been a very, it would have been, it would have played out just like that. So what do you think? Do you think when Quint said this? Gonna draw him into the shallows. Draw him in the shallow water. Gonna draw him in and drown him. Do you think that theory actually is what is proven today through the work of the O-Search crew? And do you think that that would have actually worked had the orca been able to maintain a steady course and get into shallow water? Let us know. You can contact us at jawsob2025 at gmail.com, jawsob.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this and see what you have to say. Show me the way to go I'm tired have it the gentlemen are taking us out that's episode three and we have the movie jaws is copyrighted property of universal studios any reference and sampling from the movie jaws in this episode is intended to fall within section 107 of the copyright act the copyrighted materials are fairly used for the purposes of criticism comment reporting teaching and research The materials used here are protected by the fair use guidelines of Section 107 of the Copyright Act, all rights reserved to the copyright owners. So remember to go to JawsOB.com, also the DailyJaws.com. Follow the links on the contact page to our Telegram Discord channels, where you will find a complete archive of show notes, links, and more for each episode. You can do your own deep dive into the world of Jaws. Uh, Get those questions and ideas for possible future episodes into JawsOB2025 at gmail.com. Uh, that, that concludes episode three, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Farewell and adieu, and show me the way to go home.
Show me the way to go home. I'm tired and 